0: series on revival. Um, if you guys don't remember, revival is just simply a, an awakening, a greater dose of love and affection for God and the things of God. Uh, and so when we talk about revival, it just means a, an increase in the way that we should feel about God as his kids. And so we're in a series that's talking about kind of some different aspects of that. Uh, We started the series talking about repentance, which is like the big scary word. It's it's repentance, like uh, we we think that it has all these negative connotations, but really it just means you're walking one direction. God says, that is not good for you, son. And you say, yes, sir, I'm going to go back the other direction or a different direction. Uh, It simply means to change the way that you think. And when you change the way that you think, You change the way that you act. And so if we want to experience revival, personal revival, revival as a ministry, then we have to be people who are continually repenting, uh, repenting every single day. Because every single day, I do something dumb. Every single day, I do something that, that dishonors God because I am broken and I'm fallen. And so every single day, I have to repent to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm going to change how I'm acting about that particular area. And so revival begins with repentance. What else does it begin with? It begins with worship. We talked about that last week. How God, this this infinite creator of the universe, spoke us into being and he sent his son to, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross so that the wrath that was coming against us, justifiably, the wrath, the wrath that was coming against us was Born by the Son of God, by Jesus on our behalf so that we didn't have to experience the, the punishment for our sin. Like that is an amazing thing. But, but out of that should flow passionate, devoted worship. Like we should, out of that feeling of, man, God loves me so much that he would, he would save me. He would, he would kill himself so that, that I could be saved. He would allow himself to be, be beaten and broken on our behalf. Man, that should stir in us a desire to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that should flow into the way that we worship. And worship is all aspects of life. We worship God with how we eat and drink and talk and love other people. But, but one of the main ways that we worship the Lord is by singing to Him. And so if we're not singing to the Lord with every part of our being, like we're not fully engaged with, with God, with connecting with Him in worship then we're not viewing him rightly. When we see God for who he is, the holy, 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 that's what we just got done singing. He is the holy one over all creation. He sits outside of time and space, and yet he is intimately with us right now in this very moment. And right now in in heaven, there are literally thousands of angels that all they're doing is they're saying, God, you're holy, You are perfect. You are righteous. You are holy. You are so far above everything that we even know or understand. You are the Holy One. And out of that should be our outpouring of worship. So, repentance, worship. This week we're going to talk about prayer. You know, prayer, I think, oftentimes gets a bad rap. It's it's had a bad rap in my life for, for most of my life. Um, I'll just confess right off the bat that I am, I'm preaching this sermon out of a place of weakness and not strength. Uh, prayer is not one of my strengths. And God has been growing me and, and changing me over the last six months to, to um, work on that area because I've been missing out on the, the power and the connection with the Lord through that. But this is not like something that I am super strong at. Most of my life, I, I viewed prayer as kind of like a formality. Or just the ritual to get out of the way before we got to the good stuff? Like how many of you guys uh, see prayer before a meal as a formality? Like that's, that's me most of the time. Like God bless this bunch as they munch their lunch. Let's get out of that out of the way so I can get to the steak and bacon. Like that's all I care about is the I want the meat. And so I, I view prayer oftentimes as just this formality. Uh, it reminds me of a, a wonderful clip that I know. Where you see this guy is trying to make his prayer sound uh, super holy and religious, and he just he just falls apart at the seams. Check this out,
1: Greg. Would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish, Dad. You know that. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? No. Unless you have some objection? No, 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 no. No, I'd love to, Pam. Come on, it's not like I'm a <laughs> rabbi or something. i said grace in many a dinner table. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the... Smorgasbord, you have so aptly lain at our table this day, and each day by day. Day by day by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Amen.
0: Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. She's lying. That was not lovely. That was, that was uncomfortable to watch. It like made me squirm just watching it. it. Isn't that how so often our prayers can seem? Like, okay, what's, what's the most holy-sounding word I can use the, here? Like, smorgasbord. Yes, that sounds great. It makes me sound really smart. Like most of my life I grew up thinking that, that prayer was just that, like an opportunity to impress other people with how spiritual I am. And I was missing the entire boat there. Like when when I finally realized what, what prayer was, it's like, man, what was I missing out on? You know, we, we often view it as that. Like it's the formality, it's the ritual right before we eat or right before we, we do do this teaching thing or right before we do small groups or like we view prayer as just the formality, like just get it out of the way so we can get to the good stuff, right? What I hope we see today is that prayer is the good stuff. Like prayer is where the power is. Prayer is where the, the spirit of God moves in our lives. You know, in, in the Bible it says you have not because you ask not. So much of my life, I I did not have because I did not ask. Like, I I just would make prayer my last resort. Like, I would would try and figure out the the smartest thing that I knew. Like, I would use all of my wisdom to figure out, okay, what's what's plan A? All right, what's plan B? Yeah, okay, I'm going to try that. When that failed and that failed, okay, maybe I'll talk to someone else and get their advice. Like, okay, what do you think about this? Should I do this, this, or this? And then I'll follow their advice. And then that would fail. And then I would do a couple other things. And then by the end of the day, I'd be like... I don't know. Maybe I should ask God. Maybe God might know. Like he's he's smart, right? Maybe I should ask God, and then I would pray as like my last resort. What I want us to catch today is that prayer should be our first resort, not because it fulfills some religious duty or some some ritual that we have to perform, but because that is where the power is. You know, I I think that for so much of my life, one of my fears was. And, and you might relate to this. What if I ask God for something and he says no? Right? Like that's, that's a legit fear. What if, what if I ask God for something that, that I feel like I desperately want or need and he says no to me? I'm just going to be filled with heartache and disappointment. And so I'm, I'm better off just not even asking. Right? Like that, that was my mentality for a long time. But... The better question to ask is not, what if I ask God for something and he says no? But the powerful question to ask is, what if I ask God for something and he says yes? What if you dare to have faith and believe that God is who he says he is in his word, and you ask him and he says yes? That, that is where the power is. That is where the life and that, the happiness and the peace is, is asking God, big prayers. How many of you guys feel like your prayers don't matter? Like that—that's been me most of my life. And just like, what? What's the point of prayer? Does it even matter? Is it just making rhymes to God so that we can sound really clever? Like day by day, bless us as we pray. Three things we say. Is that really all it is, or, or is it more? I hope that we see today that it is so much more. And so we're going to look at James 5 together. So James 5, starting in verse 13. We're going to read it and then get into it a little more. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone among you happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And Elijah was a human being even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. So we see here in this first paragraph, what what I want us to catch here is that prayer is the solution to all of these problems. Are you are you in a time of trouble? Then prayer should be the solution. Are are you happy? then prayer should be the the solution. Sing songs of praise. Are you sick? Call people to pray over you. Man, James is telling us here in these verses that no matter what situation or circumstance or, or, or predicament you find yourself in, prayer should be our first option. You guys say, great, yeah, I've heard that a thousand times. Why? That's the question I ask, why? Like, why should prayer be my first option? Just because you say say so? No. Don't don't take my word for it. Let's, Let's look at what God says. He knows way more than me, so we'll look at what God says. After it talks about prayer being our first option, the key verse in this passage, the one that all of this hinges on, is this. It's in 16. It says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is the key to, to unlocking all of this. Like, why should we pray? Well, because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, notice that it's not just the prayer of any person, or the prayer of, of a religious person, or the prayer of, of an immoral person. No, it's very clear here. It says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I hope you guys know, if you don't, our righteousness is not of our own. There are a couple of layers of righteousness that we're going to think about here this morning. There is the foundational layer of righteousness, and righteous just means doing right according to God, like obeying God. So there's the foundational layer of righteousness is that if you are in Christ, if you have received Christ as your Lord and your Savior... Then he has made you a new creation. You've been born again and you've been born into the righteousness of Christ. Jesus is, is perfect, he is the Holy One, he's perfectly righteous. And so when you receive Christ as your Savior, you are covered in his righteousness so that God looks at you and he sees not, not all the sin that, that I do, that Kalen does. No, God looks at me. And he sees Christ and and Jesus' righteousness covering me. So that's the foundational layer. So if you're in Christ, you are righteous and and holy because God is righteous and holy in you. But there's a second layer to righteousness, and that is kind of like the day-to-day righteousness, right? And so it's kind of like with with my my kids and myself. Like they they are going to be my kids forever, and that's never going to change, and I'm always going to love them but they can do things day to day that test my patience, that, that they, they rebel against me. They can do things that dishonor me. It doesn't change their position with me. They're always going to be my kids, and I'm always going to love them. But there are things that they can do to maybe put some, some distance in between us. And so it's the same thing with us and God. Our positional foundational righteousness doesn't change if we're in Christ, but our day-to-day righteousness changes a lot. Like, I, I mess up every single day. And so, it goes back to the repentance thing. Every single day, we're, we're having to repent of things that we're doing, because we want to be, we, we don't want anything keeping us from, from God and what he has for us, from his presence and his power here. And so, if you Maybe just think for a moment. Is there anything in your life, any, any maybe secret sin, hidden sin in your life that you're okay with, that you're not willing to repent to the Lord of? Is there any sin in your life that, you, that God is convicting you of and you're just stiff-arming him out of the way? Like, God, no, you, you can have every other part of me, but this is mine. This is my part, God. God. This is my fun thing. You can't have this. If there is, I beg you, repent to the Lord. Right now, just whisper a prayer. Lord Jesus, I agree with you. That is not okay. That is sin. I am rebelling against you. Help me to change. Forgive me. So we look at, this is the prayer of a righteous person. So someone who lives uh, trying to, to please the Lord because of all that he has done for us says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we'll start with powerful. Why is the prayer of a righteous person powerful? Well, not because we are powerful on our own, but because of the one that we are praying to. Sam's got it. He's pointing up to God. Listen to this quote. It says, True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is spiritual Transaction with the Creator of heaven and earth. When we pray, there is is something powerful going on with the Creator of heaven and earth. It's not just ritual, it's not not ritual at all, or at least true prayer isn't. True prayer is is a communication, a, a transaction with the infinite being like the infinite one who created all of us. That is why prayer is powerful. We're not powerful on our own, but the one that we pray to holds all power and all authority. I want you guys to just think for a moment. Like we, We can talk about this every single day, and it just becomes dull to us. We become desensitized to the truth of God's word, and so we have to think about things in new ways, to re-engage our hearts with the truth of what God, of who he is, really. And so I want you to maybe even close your eyes, just think about this. The God that we're talking to is not some just mythical idea or some God who lives in a book. No, he is the infinite creator of the universe, and and eons ago, an eternity ago, God looked at, at the future, and he said, I'm going to create this universe, and I'm going to set it up in such a way that it glorifies me, and I'm going to put this earth in this solar system, in the Milky Way, and there's going to be human beings that live on it, and this is everything that's going to happen. So God spoke, and billions upon billions of galaxies came into existence because of the word of his mouth. Can you just, we can't even comprehend the power that our God has. With, with one word, everything came into being. He didn't have to struggle. He didn't have to try. He didn't have to, to, to flex his muscles really hard. He spoke a word. And everything came into being. The universes, like we look up at the stars. That is a, a small sliver of the known universe. Of the known universe. There's a lot of unknown universe that we, don't, we haven't even seen yet. That is a tiny sliver of it. And that inside of that are like billions of stars, like the sun. Y'all know the sun? Like the big ball of fire in the sky? That thing is not even the biggest one in the universe. There, there are stars that, that make the, our sun look like an ant next to an elephant. Giant balls of fire in the sky. Like that, that is the God that we serve. He spoke and all those things came into being. What else has he done? We look at just biblical history and, and what we've seen in this world. Well, you, you think about, about whenever he took the Israelites out of Egypt, and they stood before the Red Sea. They stood before the ocean. Imagine going to Galveston, and you're, you have, you have the, the United States Army coming behind you to come kill you. That's what the, the Egyptian army was coming to do to the Israelites, to kill them or to bring them back. So you have an army coming behind you, and you're at Galveston on the beach, and then before you, the waves just open up. Like, what? What is that? Who does that? God does that. And that isn't hard for God. He, he didn't have to try. He didn't have to, okay, let me, let me hold, hold one end of the ocean with my foot, and then with my hand, no, spoke, and it parted. What else have we seen? We've seen God take this little teenage boy, this teenage boy that's heart, whose heart was just passionately in love with God and willing to do whatever he told him to do. And, and this teenage little boy went up to a giant and defeated him with a sling and a little stone. This giant who had been a man of war since his youth. Like he had been fighting battles and killing people left and right like nobody's business. And God falls on David in power and gives him the ability to take out this giant. Like this is the God we serve. He he is not absent from our lives. He is not absent from this world. No, he is intimately equated with, with what we're doing He knows everything that's going on. He hears all of your thoughts right now in this moment. Even you guys thinking about Chipotle. He hears all of your thoughts and what you're thinking about. He hears all the prayers of all 7 billion people on this earth at one time. And he's not overwhelmed. I get like 2 or 3 of you guys talking to me at once and I just shut down. I am overwhelmed. That's not our God. He is infinitely great. Infinitely powerful. There is no end to his power. So when I say, when God says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful, it's because of the one that we pray to. There is no end to his power. So the question you have to ask yourself is, what do you need? What do you need from the Lord? God listens to His people. And that is where the power comes in. Listen to John 9:31. It says, "We know that God doesn't listen to sinners Again, the, the righteous peace, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, then God listens to Him." So why should we pray? Because when we give ourselves to the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we give ourselves to worship Him, to know Him, and we ask Him for things, then this infinite being that that can speak planets into existence like it's nothing, that one is listening to us. That is life-changing if you will let that sink down into your heart. You're not, you're not praying to some, some mythical God that lives off in a faraway galaxy. You're praying to the infinite one who is right here with you and knows everything you could ever do or need. That is the God that we pray, for, pray to. So it's, our prayers are powerful because of the one that we pray to, but they're also effective because of the one that we pray to. We see all throughout the Bible that, that God is moving in power in effective ways. He is accomplishing things through praying people. I'll give you an instance in my own life where God effectively moved in power in my life. So I, I grew up with a serious porn addiction. Like it, it, it was no joke. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It, it just it, it engulfed and consumed my life. A decade plus. And I, I tried everything I knew how to do to get free from it. I tried accountability partners, and I tried confessing every time I did. And I tried the dollar system, and I tried getting software. And, and everything I knew how to do of my own power failed miserably because I was trying to do it on my own. So I was in my early twenties, and God just convicted me one day, like, Sonny, you you ever gonna ask me for help? I was like, Wait a second, maybe I should ask you for help. He's like, Yeah, yeah, there you go. That was your idea, right? And so I started praying. This was my prayer every single day. I just made this my prayer, Jesus, I don't love you like I should. I don't love you like I should. I want to love you more. Would you stir my affections for you so that I will love you more than anything else else in this world and that all the things of the world would fade away and grow dim because of how much I love you, how passionately I want to know you. God, do that in me. And then with that, God, would you give me such a hatred for this sin, Lord, that I would see it as you see it, as the destructive poison that it is, that it is killing me, it is killing my family, it is killing my future. And so every single day, I would pray that. As I would think about it in the car, in the morning, at night, God, help me to love you. God, help me to hate this sin. God, help me. I am desperate for you. Everything I've known to do has failed So God, you're going to have to save me. And as I began praying that earnestly, God began changing my heart. And I fell in love with God more than I had ever been in my entire life. And because of that, the the temptation to sin became less and less appetizing. To where I, I think about the temptation even now, and it's like, oh my God, no, no, I don't want that because God, I want you so much and that is such poison. Guys, this isn't because I am a super spiritual being or a super like righteous person. It's because the holy God of heaven listened to my prayers, my desperate prayers, begging him for help and he saved me. I could never change myself, never. I tried for a decade. It wasn't until I began crying out to God for him to change me that I began to experience life change. So when we cry out to God, he gives us his power to move in effective ways. So the question you have to ask yourself here today is, where do you need God to move in your life? Maybe it is an addiction. Maybe it is some, some crippling depression or anxiety. Maybe it is a relationship that you just can't get out of or that you can't heal. What do you need? Let me remind you, the answer does not lie in yourself. The answer does not lie in doing more things better, in, in manipulating your circumstances so that you can, you can be stronger No, the answer is in God alone, in Christ alone, in faith in him alone. But you have to earnestly cry out to him, just like it says Elijah did. Let's move on, verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. So Elijah was this prophet in the Old Testament times. Like after King David, after Solomon, Elijah was the main prophet in Israel during one of the most wicked kings' reign. Like this king was was terrible. He was one of Israel's worst kings. And Elijah was the prophet during that time. And so Elijah goes up to, to the king and he says, I, I've prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. And God has heard me, and you're about to experience the worst famine you've ever seen. So God shut up the rain. He shut up the heavens so that it didn't rain for years. All because Elijah prayed this thing. And so at the end of, of this time, Elijah goes to, these, uh, to, to the king, and he says, gather together all of your false prophets. So this king, this wicked king, had had led Israel, had led his people into worshiping false gods. One of the false gods, one demons, one of the false gods was Baal. And so Elijah says, Bring all your prophets, your prophets of Baal together, and we're gonna have ourselves a, an old-fashioned standoff here. And so they bring together all their prophets, and there's like like hundred of these prophets of Baal. And Elijah says, how about, let's have a little competition. Let's have a God competition here. Let's see whose God is the real God. Elijah tells the prophets, look, build yourself an altar, and don't stand near it, but just pray to your God, to pray to Baal, that he would light this thing on fire. And if yours catches on fire, then you have the one true God. And he said, and I'm going to build my altar over here, and if my God catches it on fire... Then I have the one true God. You guys are gonna worship him. And so they they have this competition. The prophets of Baal go first. And there's there's so many of them. They're they're like dancing around this altar. They're they're crying out to Baal, Baal, light this thing on fire, where are you? And they're cutting themselves and they're like puking everywhere because they're so emotional about it. And they get to the point, it's been hours of them crying out to Baal, to this demon, to light this thing on fire. And Elijah gets to the point where he starts openly mocking them. Like, have you ever, you ever seen the Bible do some mocking? Elijah starts mocking these prophets, and he goes, Hey, uh, prophets of Baal, is your God busy? Oh, oh, he's probably taking a dump, right? He's in the bathroom. Oh, is he asleep? Because uh, he's not doing anything. You guys, do y'all need some help here? He starts mocking these guys, and they just get, they get more adamant about it. They start doing their, their whatever even more. And they can't get it. And so then Elijah's turn comes up. And he has all the people pour water onto his altar. They soak this thing with so much water that it is, the wood is dripping water. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to light wood that is dripping water. It doesn't work really well. It doesn't catch on fire. Like, at all. So Elijah has this wood that is dripping water. And all he does... He stands back and he says, God, would you show these people who you really are? And like that, fire falls from heaven and consumes this altar. Like it becomes a bonfire so that people have to step back because of how hot this thing is. All because Elijah prayed and asked God to show himself to the people. So, after this happens, all the people confess, yeah, Yahweh is the true God. The Lord is the true God. So, Elijah goes back to the king and says, King, I've prayed, and you're going to get some more rain. You're going to start having rain again. And and they look off in the distance, and these rain clouds start swelling, and they get like this monsoon of rain all over the land. Guys, that is the power of prayer. But I love what it says here in the first part of this verse. It says, because I think that Elijah is like this super, super saint. Like, I could never do anything that Elijah did. I could never serve God like Elijah did. I could never know God like Elijah did because he, he was like a super saint, right? Like, that's, that's unattainable for me. What does the first verse here say? Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Other translations say Elijah had a nature just like ours. There's nothing special about Elijah. The only thing special about him is that he decided to pursue the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then out of that, out of that love for God, he prayed earnestly. That is the only thing that sets... Elijah apart. So if you want to experience amazing things in your life, start pursuing God like Elijah did. Start praying earnestly like Elijah did. Guys, the the nation of Israel was changed Because of one man willing to say, God, I want you more than anything else in this world. More than other people's opinions. More than the things of this world that that promise pleasure but leave me unsatisfied. I want you more than anything else. The nation was changed because of a praying man. Guys, how might your homes be changed if you become a person devoted to prayer? How might my home be changed if I become more devoted to prayer? How might might our schools in this area be changed if we, as a student ministry, become devoted to prayer? Not as a ritual, not as a formality to get, get to the good stuff, but that we would rely on prayer because we recognize that when we pray, we get to experience God's power. And if we're not experiencing God's power, then we are missing out greatly. As what kind of freedom might you experience if you become a person who earnestly prays? Maybe freedom from addiction, maybe freedom from from mental disease. As prayer has power. A couple weeks ago at camp, Jocelyn, on staff, Jocelyn does art ministry. You guys know her. Say what What for Jocelyn. What? <laughs> that was amazing. What? Jocelyn, at camp, decided that she would pray earnestly for a few things. So at the beginning of camp, she began praying for these things. She, she wrote them out. And one of the things that she was praying for was that God would heal her of her OCD. She struggled with it for years. And she, she was even hesitant to, to write it down. Like, okay, that, is that too much for God? Like, it, will, will God even do that? I don't know. Like, is that, is that his plan for me? Is that his will for me? I don't know. And so, like, she was wrestling through all this, and then she was like, I don't know. I'm just going to write it down and trust God to do the rest. And so she, she wrote it down, and she began praying for it. There was a night at worship, I believe, when all of a sudden she just realized, wait a second, there's not a billion thoughts running through my mind right now. And I'm not obsessing over anything. She's like, what? Is this how normal people think? I don't understand. Guys, she's been back for, for a few weeks now. And the thing that she struggled with her entire life It's just like her her mind is clear again. All because she asked God for it. What might God want to do in your life if you will just be faithful to earnestly cry out to him? To passionately cry out to him? Now, I want to clarify something. This is not the, the... health, wealth, prosperity gospel here, where I'm saying if you just ask God for something, he's always going to give it to you. No, that's not how it works. God is a good father, and he will give us the things that are good for us and that glorify him the most. Sometimes it's good for us to struggle. Paul had a thorn in his flesh, he called it, Something that was just gnawing at him his entire life. All because God wanted to keep him humble. God doesn't always answer yes to our prayers. And he doesn't always answer our prayers the same as other people. But, it goes back to the question. What if we do ask God for something and he says yes? What if we do pray earnestly for something and he says yes? Yes. We have to be okay with trusting him with whatever he decides. Trusting, okay, God, you are infinitely good. Like there there is no one more good than you in the entire universe. And you are infinitely sovereign, meaning not a speck of dust falls to the ground without God say so. So Lord, you're not surprised by what I'm going through, and, and you're not you're not caught off guard by it. So God, I know that you're good, and I know that you're sovereign, and so I trust you no matter what. No matter what you decide for my life, I trust you. But God, would you save me from this? God, would you save this person from this? God, would you heal this person? We'll never know if we don't ask. We have not because we ask not. It's so often the reason that we don't have, we just haven't asked God for it. We haven't prayed earnestly for it. As we're going to wrap up our time here together, I hope you see that that prayer is so much more than just a ritual. So much more than just formality to to get, get it out of the way. Get the boring thing out of the way so we can get to the fun time. No, guys, prayer is where the power is. And when we see God move in miracles, when we see God move in power, when we see God free us from addiction, free us from from struggles, save other people that we thought were lost forever, when we see God do those things, it gives us such joy and happiness. My life is so much better now that I am free from addiction. Guys, our lives are better whenever we are walking in freedom. So don't miss out on what God may want to do in your life just because you're not going to ask him. That's that's been my life so much of, of my three decades here on this earth. As God wants to do things in our lives that we haven't even realized yet, so why should we pray? Well, because the one that we pray to is infinitely capable. Infinitely capable. There's nothing he can't do. There is no heart too far gone. There is no mountain too high that he can't help us climb. There, there is nothing in the universe that is impossible for our God. And God, our God, our Father in heaven is just waiting As John 9 said, we know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. As what could be better than that? Than the the infinite creator of the universe listening to our prayers, hearing our prayers. And in, in his wisdom and in his sovereignty and in his goodness answering the ones that are good for us to have. But God is looking for worshipers who are willing to ask him for big things. So as we respond here together, I want you to grab your brown cards and your pen. I want you to ask yourself this question. Ask God this question. If God could do anything in your life this semester, or anything in your family's life this semester, what would it be? And don't limit God by what you think he can or can't do. Nothing is impossible with God. And if what you are asking him lines up with his will and what he sees as best for you, then guys, you you are preparing yourself to be blown away by the creator. If God could do anything in your life this semester, what would it be? Once you have it, I want you to write out a prayer to the Lord. Asking him to give you faith, asking him to help you trust him no matter what but asking him to move in power.